It's at the races with Steve Beck on Sirius XM Radio. Here in Pennsylvania, we're proud of our breeding program, the best in North America. But we're also proud to be leaders in this industry. The PA Horse Breeders Association is funded Penn Vet into equine health and safety. And we endorse the SAFE Act to help protect the most vulnerable horses. Plus, we're pleased to support the aftercare programs set up by our horsemen's groups. Just a few of the reasons why you should join us in Pennsylvania, the premier place to breed and race. Who are you betting on? How about an app created specifically for horse racing? Naira Bets. We specialize in thundering hooves, fist pumping, and boosting your bankroll with robust weekly promotions and offer betting tips from actual horse racing experts. Bet all day and night nationwide. Get the action and thrill of horse racing with Naira Bets. $200 deposit match with promo Steve 200. Visit NairaBets.com for details. The Pond family's country life in Maryland Farms are the place. Stands the Mid-Atlantic's leading first and second crop sires, Divining Rod by Tappan and Mosler by Warfront, as well as Friesen Fire. Maryland's 5-8 mile training track completes the full-service facilities from the folding barn to the racetrack. Join the excitement of racing with Country Life Farm, where our partnerships can take you from beginning to winning. Your career in horse racing off to a fast start? Well, the University of Arizona's Racetrack Industry Program is your winning ticket. The Racetrack Industry Program has served as a springboard to some of the industry's most successful individuals with a proven track record of job placement right out of college. If you want to earn a degree in the exciting horse racing industry, the Racetrack Industry Program can put you in the winner's circle. Visit ua-rtip.org today. Why, in the past decade, has BRL Equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry? Because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product. Because we use only FDA-supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standard bread racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA, Unlock, Leadership, and EPO Equine can help you, contact Horsebills.com is a cost-effective, time-saving paperless revolution. Vendors are able to generate electronic invoices for owners and other vendors who can pay through Horsebills.com for just 50 cents. Turn hours of work into minutes with our easy-to-use site. Have our team take over your bookkeeping or continue to do it yourself and pay only our whole monthly subscription. ...tutorial on the Horsebills.com YouTube channel and get started today for free. Horsebills.com. Toll-free number 888-938-4643. We're back. Hour three. Let me reach for uh, Sid. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Seth, here, here's what happened. Seth, uh, Seth's car uh, knocked out, and he's in the process. It doesn't look like he's uh, it's repairable. Um, so he actually has been uh, – uh, he's been uh, – 
busing it into uh, Albany. It literally goes door to door for him and until he makes a decision on a, on the new car. And um, apparently there was a, a, a bad situation this morning in Saratoga, between Saratoga and Boston, uh, with a, uh, a police, uh, apparently a hit and run, he's saying. Uh, wow. All right. Well, he's got, as I, as I said, I, I wrote him, you're going to miss your chance to gloat about uh, Syracuse coming back on us last night. Uh, Colgate bidding to beat him three years in a row. And uh, they were up 24 at one point. And Cuse came back. They played great defense, Syracuse. Uh, there was also an uh, untimely injury, too, for uh, one, of, uh, one of Colgate's, uh, the, the ball handling uh, guard. So, anyway, we'll see. He's, Seth, Seth said he is calling himself doubtful, uh, doubtful to return uh, for the visit. But... Sid Fernando is uh, is quite ready and available, and he's on the line. Sid, good morning. Hey, good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm good. I, I you know you you hit me with that uh, really sad news. I, I the, Bob Lothan back, and I I, I I really kind of kind of knocked me off stride to be honest, uh, and I feel horrible. Uh, you know, guy, the level of success and, and achievement uh, and a career. And 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 then to, you know, then to pass in in fair close proximity, right, to his to his retirement, I, it's just not fair. Uh, well, you know, he, uh, well, I mean, he, you know, he, he, had, he was, you know, he, well, retirement. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was enjoying life, you know. Right. He he had sold the business. Uh, yeah. He had sold the yeah, business yeah. not long ago. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, yeah, it's particularly tough uh, because one of the few guys in this business that had such great integrity and character. And, you know, I, it's weird because David and Gordo actually called me this morning and said he'd heard a rumor that he died. This is earlier this morning. And then, of course, the news came out. And I thought I had just texted uh, Bob at 6.43 p.m. on Monday, because we're doing his matings right now, and I just texted him to say, Bob, go ahead and book Bell's the one to tap it right away, uh, because that's the, that's, the, that's the one season I want you to get right now. And, you know, it was weird. Uh, so this is Wednesday morning. I don't know exactly when he died, but I think it must have been Monday, because... He always responds to texts and phones right away, except when he was on his plane. And um, I was just thinking it was odd yesterday. I hadn't heard back from him. And then today, this morning. So it was was an uneasy feeling. And then, you know, I had no notion of it, but I just thought it was odd because, like I said, he always Mm. responds. And uh, he, you know... He's, he, I got to just say, I mean, he was such a great guy, and I have a lot of regrets about one thing because Bob's big thing was he said, "Sid, you're gonna you're gonna get us through the uh, horse into the Derby, and when you do, I'm flying. We have nine people in the company. Bob's got his own private plane. He said, I'm flying everybody 
from our Derby consultants to the Derby. If we ever get a horse in the Derby, everybody's coming. And, um, you know, the regret is that he had just told me earlier that he was so excited. He said, you know, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of good two-year-olds for next year. And, um, you know, they're yearlings right now. And, uh, you know, uh, I wish, I wish, you know, I wish he'd been able to do that because he was a sportsman from the old ilk. Uh, he wasn't concerned about ROIs. He wasn't concerned about, you know, a lot of the stuff a lot of new owners are. He really just loved the game. And, you know, he was a, he was an, a home breeder. You know, had over 30 mares. And, of course, he would supplement that with auction purchases. But, you know, he was one of these guys that, uh, you know, wasn't really concerned. You know, obviously was, you know, fabulously wealthy. And, uh, but nevertheless, you know, a lot of guys these days, even the wealthy guys are concerned about every cent. But, you know, he did. He didn't join partnerships to own horses. He owned his own, very much like Mr. Fifty that way. Uh, Gary and Mary West. We tend to get our clients tend to be that way, and he was one of those guys that took everything in stride. And I, 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 I he's passed, and I, I'll give you a, <laughs> a confidential story. Otherwise, was that. Uh, we had, by some error, we had not billed him for something, you know, in the company. It was a significant amount. And, you know, you, and it was like months later, like eight months later. And when Carol, our office manager, told me about it, you know, I, I sent an email to Bob and I just said, uh, uh, Bob, I hate to bring this up, uh, but, you know, we're going to, we forgot to, you know, bill you for this. He calls me on the phone right away and he says, no problem. It was, I want to make it up. I'm, I'm going to throw something else. I'm going to uh, throw something extra in there and make it up to you guys. That's the kind of guy he was. Wow. You know? Yeah. A self-made guy, uh, you know, named his horses after his kids. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, uh, great friends with Bob, uh, except, you know, he was a longtime client. I, I suppose I was friends with him on the phone. Uh, and just the easiest guy to work with, work for. And, um, you know, he's just one of those guys, you know, especially in his business, in our business, my business, when you have a lot of clients and stuff, some are extremely demanding and, it was just so easygoing, and uh, you know, everybody wants their mares done at the same time. We got into a bottleneck one year, and I said, "Bob, uh, you know, we're kind of running behind. Uh, I'm gonna have to delay you for a couple of weeks." Uh, and he said, "Said no problem." He said, "Anyway, I'm not going to some of these expensive stallions where you gotta." Uh, 
hook right away anyway. So, yeah, no, he, very accommodating. Uh, the easiest going guy in the world to deal with. And, um, you know, I think he was only 68. Steve, I, I'm not sure how old he was, but uh, That's he, what he had a great been. life. Jesus. He was always on his plane flying to Vegas or California, you know, <laughs> and uh, he just seemed like he lived a great life. And, uh, you know, from everybody talks very highly about how he's, you know, he was a, he was a philanthropist and um, our entire office was devastated. Carol, our office manager, who's, you know, you know, this is, he was a long time client, you know, 20 plus years and, uh, very loyal and, and, um, you know, he loved the Minnesota breeding program because he was from Minnesota. You know, last year, you know, he, there were like seven stakes races on their Minnesota day and I think he won six of them and he was the breeder of the other one. He had a clean sweep almost and, that made him happier than winning sometimes the greatest stakes race, you know? Uh, so I'm not usually one to wax poetic about guys because everybody dies and, you know, the drill, we, we talk about them and then, you know, we move on. But he really was just a super guy and, uh, I'm miss him as a, friend a client and an industry loss really in terms of you know in terms of minnesota this is i mean it was going to be untimely you know it's untimely any any anyway um but given the situation right now uh that that the samsons are dealing with uh at, at with canterbury uh this is not this is not good, and, and yeah, I, it's a big blow. Uh, big blow. And, and you know, on the uncertainty, uh, we'll have to talk. I've, I've already reached out to Chris Block, and uh, Neil Pesson actually is going to join us next, uh, and we'll obviously also uh, fit in uh, a little bit about the fairgrounds opening on Friday with with Neil, but uh, Joel Burnt and uh, obviously Carl Napsker and and Ian Wilkes. I mentioned Ian earlier, but I, I should have included Carl. Uh, of course, as well. Um, uh, Pesson, Block, uh, Burnt, uh, I'm sure there's some other, you know, he spread horses around. Um, and But he was always very loyal to his training. Yes, exactly. Right? exactly. And, and there have been a lot of people that have made runs at Bob to train his horses, buy horses, you know, keep always, always very, very loyal to uh, the people that he worked with. Uh, you know, Chesapeake Farm, where he boards his horses, uh, when the the owner of that sold the farm uh, to uh, the, the newer guy who runs it, Doc Collier, he kept, he, you know, he still kept the horses there at that farm, didn't move them. You know, he really, really just very reminiscent of, you know, the, 70s types of owners, you know, from the 1970s, 60s, you know, wealthy people who uh, weren't pressed to do something for, you know, he was, he stayed away from the limelight, rarely, you know, got interviewed and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was extremely generous in 
crediting others with his success. You know, just, just the overall great guy. Man. And I, and I'm, I'm. You said sixty-eight. I mean that that's what that that's what I mean. I mean that that you know the the kind of the kind of uh, breeder owner who you anticipated. You know, being around. Uh, Oh yeah, on an ongoing yeah, basis. Yeah. I, I, that yeah. that's what, and I mean, uh, we'll we'll maybe get some, we'll get some uh, potential uh, uh, insight maybe from uh, Neil or any of the or you know, any of the other oh, yeah, trainers sure about guys, the family. Is, yeah. is there much of a family to son yeah, and daughter? He's got, to, you know, he's got you know. He, 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 you know, he's, he's single now, but he's he's single now, but you know, he's got kids. And a lot of them, a lot of his his, his mares and uh, runners, uh, you know, salute his children in their in their naming. That's yeah, so yeah. maybe. And uh, I didn't know, you know, that's the thing. Um, you know, when David called me today, I actually called Bob's number again. Of course, nobody picked up. So you know, I, I'm I'm not all I all I've dealt with is Bob. Um, so I don't know anything about his, you know, I don't know his kids, uh, what if they have interest in racing or not. And, uh, uh, you know, I suspect, uh, you know, I suspect his horses will be dispersed. Uh, I can't say for yeah. sure, but, you know, it's a real shame. You know, he, I'll tell you a story. Another thing about Bob was, I called Bob earlier this summer when the horses were going into the, the phase of Tipton uh, fall sale. And I said, Bob, I didn't see Bells the one entered because we discussed that at length and he was going to enter her and fold the flight line. And he said, Oh, well, I told, uh, I told him, uh, you know, uh, to enter. Let me call the farm. He calls the farm, calls me back and, and got some really bad news that, Day earlier, the mayor at seven months had aborted, and can, you know, can you imagine the disappointment of that for anybody? But he just handled it with a plum. I mean, he just, you know, he said, uh, he, he said, Sid, she she abort, aborted, and that's why they hadn't entered her in the sale, and um, so we were going to send her to Tappet this year. That's why I had texted him on Monday. But, uh, you know, that's just, you know, some guys would have just gone apoplectic, you know, and just blown, you know, chewed every, everyone out. But that wasn't his nature. Uh, he was just, um, he, he, had a, he had a great temperament and just, you know, like you said, um, very generous in so many ways a really genuine guy and yeah I don't really like I said I don't really talk that highly about a lot of people but I I, 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 I am glad I did now about Bob um, because he deserves it uh, we'll talk to Neil and uh, Neil Pesson uh, in, in just a little bit and then uh, I think Chris Block uh is uh, going to join us tomorrow as well. Uh, this is, you know, the, ind the industry 
industry certainly can't afford losing uh, guys like like Bob Lothan back. Uh, yeah, you really can't lose guys that have 30-plus mares and breed their own horses, you know? Yeah. Because that is such a small part of his business as it is right now. And, uh, you know, like I just named three of our clients, uh, Bob, uh, Gary Mary West, and Chuck Fipke. I mean, how many of those people are around that breed and breed their own mares and race the, the offspring? You know, there aren't that many. No, no. And, and then, then you talk about the, the other uh, associated positives associated uh, uh, with him. Uh, you know, more or less uh, committed to mid-American, the mid-American racing scene. Uh, exactly. Canterbury exactly. Park, uh, instrumental yeah. in, in, you know, in Minnesota has a very active and enthusiastic uh, ownership recruiting program and, and breeding uh, program that, uh, I, you know, that the, 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 we talk frequently about uh, the live gate at Canterbury, which is as, as good as anywhere in the country, you know, averaging 7,500 people, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, on track at a race day. Uh, and, you know, and here they are, uh, you know, having to having really uh, had a, a difficult year, uh, first year after their uh, promotional agreement, 10 year deal with the Shakopee Indians uh, has ended. Um, so, I, he, you know, and then you talk about the stability with those with those kinds of horsemen that, that he's associated. Joe, Joe Burt, Chris Block. Uh, Ian and, and Carl and uh, Neil Pesson, uh, you know, guys, guys like that, uh, that they, they need, you know, they need owners like like Bob Orton. So exactly, very very tough. And, and I'm, you know, who else? I'm I'm just thinking about. Um, uh, not, not, I want to say Camilla, uh, but it wasn't Camilla. Uh, Mrs. Catsby. Mrs. Catsby. Who was a who? I mean, now she's probably been gone six, seven, maybe eight years. But um, you know, she was uh, another uh, stalwart uh, on the Minnesota on the Minnesota scene, right? Uh, and uh, you know, she another another significant loss uh, in in recent memory as well. So. <laughs> We'll talk to Neil in a little bit. Uh, Sid, let's get a couple of thoughts in uh, while we're together, too. Uh, I, I suppose, uh, you know, one one name to bring up in, in terms of an emergent uh, owner, breeder, uh, farm buyer, and uh, uh, ready-made horse purchaser, the John Stewart story just gets, uh, you know, higher and wider and handsomer with every passing week. Oh, yeah. And just last week when we spoke about him, I said, I really don't know too much about him. And since then, I've read a lot about, well, I've seen a lot written about him. I guess uh, he's a hedge fund guy, middle ground investment that he co-founded and manages. And, um, yeah, he's really jumped into the deep end. And he, he's a guy that, you know, obviously uh, is looking to, build a big foundation for the future which is great news it is uh, 
I also just started following him on Twitter, and he uh, yeah, me too. Right, yeah. he's he's kind of fun, and uh, he's apparently he's got a new name for the operation. I don't know if he if he revealed it today or uh, or if he's when when it's happening. But he came up, I think, with a name uh, for the farm and and uh, and whatnot. He said that uh, here it is. Uh, if you want to follow him, it's J Stewart K Y John Stewart Kentucky, essentially. And, um, uh, you know, he, he, he buys uh, Goodnight Olive um, on the opening uh, session at Keeneland and uh, is going right back to Chad uh, to continue the career. And here it is. We have finalized the name of our farm and racing organization. We'll release details later this week via a press release and uh, on Twitter. Stay tuned. So that'll be uh, interesting. And then who was I with the, that it came up? That uh, was this yesterday. That when did it come up that uh, he bought that? He bought that horse of uh, from uh, Mike Ryan. Which one? Uh, who, who was boy? I, I, it's it's hard for me honestly to to keep track of all this. Um, you you would like to think some of this stuff stays in my head uh, a little bit better. Was it with was it? I think it was the conversation with uh, with Brendan Walsh uh, yesterday. And uh-huh. uh, and Brendan, uh, right? Who who's listening that uh, that can help me with this? And and, and uh, I asked him about a horse, a recent winner, and yeah. uh, apparently uh, Stewart had had bought the horse from Mike Ryan. Yeah. So he's he's uh, he's operating he's at all. He's kind of horses. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Th- so that brings us to our next uh, our next topic uh, ripped from today's headlines um maybe he wants to get in the stallion business uh and and, and he buys and he buys rich strike tomorrow uh, he, he can buy a derby winner boom yeah. <laughs> what yeah. uh, what do you expect tomorrow sid well i i think the i think the japanese would be interested only because they have a history of being interested in kentucky derby winners that the United States doesn't want, hmm. obviously. <laughs> Sunday Silence is the uh, is the big one, but you know they they have a big interest in classic winners, uh, Derby winners, and uh, I don't think that you know they're gonna. You know, I think the uh, JBBA Japan Bloodstock Breeders Association, which is a state sponsored entity or nationally sponsored entity that purchases horses on behalf of um, Japan for and makes them affordable to the smaller breeders, not like a shot eye or something, which is private. I think they might be very interested in this horse. You know, the Koreans might be interested in this horse. Hmm. So... Um, I think that they're probably going to be more interested in this horse than uh, domestic buyers. The keen ice, you know, the keen ice part of the equation, uh, I suppose, part of it. Um, the, you know, the long shot uh, price aspect, I guess, uh, you know, the well, subsequent. The thing is, is you've got to value the horse by what the stuff is, okay? So 
for the sake of example, you know, rough back of napkin math, uh, let me just get my calculator here. So if you say he stands for 7,500 and he reads 150 mayors, say, that's uh, 1.125 million times three. Mm-hmm. 3.3754 million. Yep. So, you know, based on that type of math, you can't see a domestic buyer paying more than, you know, three and a half, four million for this horse. Uh, that's got to, that's got to, you know, that's got to keep the horse down at that range. So, a you know a foreign buyer could theoretically you know bid four or five million dollars for this horse to take him away. That and I you know and again I, my valuation I think I floated it with you. I it, it seemed like three to four million felt like you know the the natural yeah. right number here. Yeah, well the math kind of uh, you know the math kind of backs that up. You know, take a horse, similar horse like uh, Country Grammar. No, not Country Grammar. Uh, Country House. Country House. Yep. The Derby winner. You know. Yep. Went to stud for seventy five hundred dollars. You know, similar type of thing. Mandaloon. What's Mandaloon? Well, Mandaloon is a different uh, thing because he's by into mischief. Yeah. Yeah. Judgment. But even he was like, you know, twenty five thousand. Could you, you know, bringing up Judmont, and I, and then I, I also do want to get to you about. Uh, I do want your your sixty minutes thoughts. Uh, could you could you imagine what where they'd be uh, with Arrogate at the top of their roster now with. Uh, Mandaloon and, and Elite Power uh, adding in. I mean, what what kind of an offering uh, Judmont would have as a you know wading back into the breeding you know stallion farm business? Yeah, mm-hmm. be unbelievable. I mean, as it is, it's, you know, as it, yeah, it, as, as, it, as it is, the European operation is just unbelievable for a boutique or organization to have Frankel. And Kingman, not to mention horses like Oasis Dream and yeah. others, but just Franco and Kingman right there, two of the premier sires in Europe. Um, both homebreds, by the way. The American uh, operation hasn't really had that type of success, but they've been committed to building it by purchasing horses. Uh, Arrogate was one of those horses that they purchased. So, um, yeah, it is, uh, I mean, they just, they just, they run such a great operation. It's really, you know, amazing. Uh, Sid, let's, uh, fold in a couple of other, uh, portions before I ask you that, uh, your reaction to Sunday. Uh, overall, uh, had a very interesting conversation yesterday, and I'm not going to—I don't want to, you know, specify with whom. But uh, brought up an interesting 
You brought up an interesting point about uh, juxtaposing Phasig's, uh you know, one one day extravaganza sale uh, versus versus the situation where you know that that then Keeneland uh, picks up and you know typically has you know, book one be you know have a lot of headliners and then the occasional uh, you know the occasional surprise package uh, like we had uh, on Monday the six hundred thousand dollar mare uh, you know with the updates. But they they said something interesting. They said in terms of recruiting buyer, you know, and and an audience, that that Phasing has got something of a marketing advantage, uh, you know, the, to attract the you know the the book that they put together, and then there's this long haul of there's this long haul of uh, of, of Keeneland, where. Essentially, these last several days. I mean, other than other than that pop up purchase, the the, the numbers have been soft. And I, I was just curious for your reaction. I mean, and and undoubtedly, there's going to prove to be tremendous bargains. I, I but it, I'm just wondering what your reaction is. You know, when you talk to people that are that are accruing mares and putting broodmare bands together. It, you know, it feels like those first two days, first three days, phasing, and then days one and two with Keeneland, uh, and then attention sort of drifts away. Well, you know, Keeneland is a volume seller, so there's no way that they can really compete with a boutique one-day select offering thing. Now, phasing has really gotten, you got a hats off to them. They... They built a sale. They know that this is where you sell your elite mares. And elite mares are not common. So, you know, if they get a good bunch of them, um, and, the, and the nature of the sale, the limited opportunity, elite horses, it's just got that one day has got such a huge advantage for them over uh, Keeneland because then even when you go to Keeneland first day you get you know million dollar horses but uh, you know you're still dealing with much more volume that's going to come and although Keeneland books one and two are good it seemed to me that this year the pedigrees were comparatively light I, I kind of forecasted that Prices would be, be be going down only because it just seemed like the quality of the pedigrees were weaker. And, you know, it has a lot of ramifications because what this is showing is that weaker mares are being bred to some of the most elite stallions. Because as you've expanded stallion books, you've diluted the quality of those books. So, you know, you can you can find broodmare prospects by all your elite sires and the families behind them are a lot weaker. Uh, contrast this to, you know, years ago, say when stallions were reading 60 mare books. Well, those 60 mare books were extremely strong for that top, for top level stallions. So 
that strength of pedigree that you had back then attached to a top-level sire you don't have right now. So you don't have a top-level sire all, you know, necessarily with a commensurate pedigree behind the mare. By that, I mean the fam- female family. And so that's kind of diluted this thing. Now, statistically, you can see it, too. Back in those days, stallions like Northern Dancer, Danzig, Mr. Prospect, you know, your elite sires, they were siring, you know, something like 18 to 20 percent stakes winners from foals. These days, your top stallion that gets stakes winners from foals is like Warfront at 10 percent. And most stallions are, are are getting five to eight percent stakes winners from foals. So you can see the dilution even in the stallion statistics. Uh, all brought about as you increase the mare books, which allowed weaker mares to go into these elite stallions, which created uh, horses that were not able to win at the highest levels. And statistically, it's right there in black and white stallion statistics. A Danzig with 18, 19% stakes winners to foals. And I'm talking foals, not runners. Right. You know, these days they try to, advertisers try to make that number higher by saying, oh, 12%. Uh, stakes winners to runners. Well, what about folds, bro? Mm. When you look at the folds, it's 5%. You know? And so that's why you can see that the best mares at the top are usually being taken out of the country. And, uh, you know, just because somebody has a, you know, a mare by Tappet or into mischief or any leading sire doesn't mean it has the pedigree behind it. And so this is the this is the kind of dilemma that the breeding industry is facing. Um, because these stallions are not select anymore in the sense that they were select back in those days. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because you don't have the owner breeders like Lothenbach, the 50s, the West, whatever, who were the backbone of the syndicates. Green Tree Stud, Darby Dan, Paul Mellon, all those guys, they bought into stallions and they made a commitment to send mares, mares and stallions were only getting 50 to 60 mares a year and you had powerhouse owner breeders sending mares to them. The product wasn't available on the marketplace because they weren't commercial breeders. Therefore, demand was higher when there was a product on it. So, you know, when people are analyzing this, they've got to realize all the moving parts and what's happened. Well, and I'll use that uh, as a segue as well, Sid, into final uh, question uh, to let you riff. Um, 
the 60 Minutes piece, uh, and it sure seems like some of the the, the discontent and, and uh, the grumbling and the the pushback uh, that that is frankly being directed toward Jockey Club. Uh, these some of these sales results, I think, uh, are, are perhaps uh, you know uh, part of the you know, part of the storyline. Uh, what did you make of Sunday night and uh, the reaction that it's getting? Um, well, I, I watched that segment, and uh, you know, I suppose, suppose, uh, you know, that's. I suppose it was a piece that was engineered by. Uh, machinery to put it out there as a as a piece to kind of showcase what Jockey Club has done and you know how they're trying to change the perception that this is a crooked game from a from a uh, external and an internal uh, do you are you seeing or do you sense the same, you know, some of the things I've brought out here the last couple of days? I mean, when, when you've got somebody like Alan Foreman, uh, uh, I don't want to say lashing out, but certainly, certainly Alan's, I thought, commentary yesterday was pointed uh, as to the, you know, the motivations and the origins of the piece. Uh, that, that, that says something to me. And then uh, this Max Hodge letter is, I mean, really something in the TDN. Um, uh, Craig Brogdon uh, also. Uh, it just it feels like it feels like that the, the industry, you know, that that very frequently wants to make the best of of any circumstance like this. It, it, it does feel like uh, there's real uh, annoyance uh, at at the the hows and whys of this piece. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's face it, uh, there's, I think annoyance is kind of a mild word. Uh, I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot of backlash. Uh, I think there's a lot of backlash against the jockey club. Uh, listen, a lot of nice people involved, but I think there's a lot of backlash against the jockey club for what's viewed as kind of an elitist, heavy-handed uh, approach to um, trying trying to, to run this business. Mm. And, uh, you know, it stems from lots of different things. Uh, and I think Jay Prudman uh, had a tweet mm. today about... I brought it up yeah, earlier. Yeah. Yep. The, you know, that's true. And, you know, actually, it's nothing new because few years ago there was a Washington Post piece where uh, Mr. Janney was talking about uh, exactly who uh, Jay was questioning who these people were. Well, Janney was bringing up Bob Backward in that piece, you know? So I think that perception that this group of guys uh, is, is patriarchy is is kind of running a business circa the 1950s 
and uh, they're doing it in a way that can show that money and power can buy influence, can buy the tools to go after competitors. I think that's the the gist that people are trying to express. Hmm. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's nothing new. We've been talking about this for a while. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yep. Well, this is a mammoth and and very, you know, organic uh, entity, the, the quote-unquote, the industry. Uh, yeah. And the, the interdependency that I mean that pervades I mean it, it, it the, the, the the lack of the lack of perception that we're all in this together and it, 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 as opposed to what 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 posits as a you know us versus them is just it, it, it it's deflating Sid it, it, it's a constant message blasted at us yeah that you matter less than us yeah yeah that's uh unfortunately that you know is the is the perception among a vast majority of the people because the vast majority of any society are not part of the elite they're not part of the one percent so when the one percent whether it's in racing politics industry, whatever, when they try to manipulate the will of the people through wealth, influence, power, uh, it's never going to sit well with the holy polloi. You know, and essentially this is a case study of exactly that phenomena in the Phenomenon in the in the uh, in the horse racing business. No, agreed. Uh, perfectly. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to add anything because that was uh, that was a perfect way to put a bow on this. Sid, I appreciate it. I I want to slip. Uh, I'm going to slip Neil Pesson in. Uh, yeah. For, to, to have a you know kind of a coda to your appreciation of Bob Lothan back. Um, we uh, we won't talk next week. So happy Thanksgiving and uh, to you and CC and uh, uh, the extended family and uh, thank you, thank you. where you're Appreciate spending. It. It. Oh, we'll talk in a couple Likewise. of weeks. Likewise, have a great uh, holiday. Okay. Thanks, Sid. All right, bro. We'll see you. You bet, Sid Fernando. Everybody, outstanding uh, sire watch pedigree focus brought to you by Hill and Dale. Uh, we will round out the morning. Uh, with Neil Pesson, and Neil, of course, is readying. Uh, I do have uh, I do have Friday's uh, fairgrounds card, and I'm sure I imagine that there's a Pesson. Uh, I, I I imagine that uh, Neil Pesson has got a starter on opening day. But uh, the first order of business with Neil is to pay our our most profound sim- sympathies, Neil, on the passing of Bob Lothan back. Well, thank you. He was a uh... Great man, and he'll be deeply missed by all. And yeah, you know, we just talked with Sid Fernando, and of course, Sid, a uh, bloodstock advisor and work thoroughbred consultants, helping with uh, the Lothenbach matings. Uh, you know, talk about your 
your relationship with him, Neil, and the success you guys have had, uh, how you, you know, how he, he came to you, uh, the origins of the relationship? Well, originally, I got him because of Chris Block, another friend of mine who trains, also trains for Bob. Yep. And Chris was training for him. I was not. And we were at Arlington Park, and Chris had some overflow. So he asked if I had a couple empty stalls, which I did. I had plenty of empty stalls, actually. <laughs> and uh, so they sent me a couple of horses. And for the first year, year and a half that I trained for Bob, I couldn't tell you what he looked like or sounded like. Because they either went through Chris or the racing manager at the time. <laughs> so after that, I had a little success with them, and they, they were sending me some more horses. And eventually, eventually built up. I bought the Eden Prairie for them out of the sale. We made, she was a nice stakes winner and a great place. And then we bought some other nice horses, Happy American, Bell's the one. But our relationship grew exponentially. And he wasn't just an owner, he was a very good friend of mine. And, you know, he didn't talk a lot on the phone. Some of our conversations were, especially after a race, win or lose. I would say 30 seconds would be a long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he loved the sport. He was very loyal and very passionate about racing and loyal to to us, the trainers, and anybody who was really working with him. You know, good or bad, he stayed right there with you. The you know the long the long running association. Chris Block will join us tomorrow uh, to talk about about Bob and uh, you know I mentioned uh, Carl Napsker and 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 Ian Wilkes of course and Joel Burnt up in uh, up in Minnesota. Uh, you know this is the kind of owner that the game just cannot afford to lose and and I. And I, I say that. I mean, certainly, you know, the, the, we're going to lose. You know, at some point, uh, people leave the business, or the, or they move on, or pass on. I, I mean, for him to have sold his business and, and to be able to enjoy the game, uh, and 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 devote whatever he, resources he wanted to it, um, it, it just feels like in his late sixties that you know we're really being robbed here of 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 a of a person that loved being in the game well and it's just not the racing i mean he was in all facets he had over 40 mares that he bred right right on the farm so he was in the breeding part we bought millions of dollars worth of horses at the sale so he's in the sales part and then he had almost 100 horses in training so he's in the racing part that's that's the only three facets of the game i know yeah exactly and he was in all of them in a major way and you just don't replace those kind of people, not only business-wise, but personal-wise either. He did a lot of stuff off the record for a lot of charities and stuff that he never even let people know about. So, you know, he wasn't looking for the accolades. No. But he, but he really enjoyed the sport, and he enjoyed people. No, and no. it's just, you know, you can't replace people like that. No. No. They're just not there to replace you know, you've got the, some horses coming up. In fact, uh, uh, I know Baseline Beater. Uh, does Baseline Beater run today? No, he'll run uh, Friday. Friday. Um, and, of course, the, the fairgrounds meet is going to open Friday as well. But you're still, you're, you're, you got everything still at Churchill, or have you sent some down? 
No, we've got everything here still. We'll see where races go at Churchill, and we may send some down for the, for Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. Just depends on what gets in here and, and what does what races go and what doesn't go. It, but hopefully we can win a race in Bob's honor this weekend. Just uh, just for him, maybe he'll be help giving us a push at the wire, and we'll win the photo instead of lose the photo. Wow. From your mouth to God's ears, and uh, I mean, do you have a feel? I, I, I'll ask this of Chris too. Do we have a feel for? I know it's you know within you know whatever forty eight hours, but uh, how? I mean, is the will the, will the family want to go on with things or? or if, if I had to guess, I'm going to say no. I mean, I think I don't think they can disperse everything quickly. So the racing part will go on for a little while, and some of the mares need to be bred, and if they want to sell, be put in the sales. But he's got some children. I mean, I call them kids, but they're really not kids anymore. They're, you know, some are out of college, some are in college. Um, but none of them have, that I know of have showed a great interest in it. He's got two brothers that do like the sport and go to the races quite a bit. But I don't know how everything is set up and how it'll move forward from here. But we'll just, we'll just run now as if, you know, everything's the way it should be. We'll take care of the horses the way we're supposed to and run where we can and try and do the best we can for the family and just be supportive of whatever they want to do. And I'm appreciative of everything that Bob has done for me up to this point. Now, uh, baseline beater on Friday from you and, and Raggedy Sand on Sunday, uh, uh, who's a, a maiden. Uh, oh, no, not Raggedy. Both, both horses with blinkers on. Ah, well, um, blinkers on uh, certainly toward uh, the start of fairgrounds as well on Friday. Uh, Neil, you, gotta, you, know, you mentioned uh, the purchase that uh, you touched on and uh, Eden Prairie. You spent, uh, you picked that one out for fifty thousand at Keeneland, probably in book four or five, made almost a half a million. Um, but uh, it, you know, your Grade One winner, having Bell's the one uh, these last few years, and you know the satisfaction, you know the personal satisfa- satisfaction that a horseman gets, uh, you know, having a client like uh, Bob Lothenbach, but then delivering, you know, the kind of of career success that that you were able to author for her. Well, she offered it to me. I just let her over and put the bridle on. But without Bob, I wouldn't be able to buy horses like that. I mean, Eden Prairie was the most I'd ever paid for a horse to sell in my life when I first bought her, and that was fifty thousand. <laughs> and Bell's one was one hundred and fifty-five thousand. Happy American was three hundred and fifty thousand. You know, I, I did not have access to those kind of horses until Bob came along. Yeah. And as you know, good horses make good trainers. Bad horses make bad trainers. So Bob made me look like a good trainer for a little while. And then they, I've been told that's hard to do. Well, and, you know, I look at I look at Bell's the One, and uh, I know Brett, uh, Brett Jones is, is officially listed as the breeder, but, uh, you know, was consigned by under Brereton Jones's name. And to see Lothenbach, uh, you know, buyer Bob Lothenbach consigner Brereton Jones, and 
you know, here the, in the last uh, whatever forty five days, essentially, probably. Uh, you know. yeah, actually, Brett still has the mare, and we actually tried to buy the uh, brother to bell out of the yearling cell, but he went a little higher than what we wanted to go. <laughs> that'll, that'll happen when when you when you create a, a when you create a two million dollar winner that herself sold for two point six million. Uh, actually, she RNA'd, right? Who who ended up with Belle? Where is she? Bob's got her. She's at the farm. She's at the farm. She, she's at Chesapeake Farm. Wow. So, and who was she bred to? She was bred to flight line, but unfortunately she lost the fall oh. in seven months. Oh, for God's sakes. So, but we'll breed her back to somebody good, maybe a gun runner or somebody like that, and hopefully she'll be, a, I'm sure she will be a great producer. Uh, how about that? Uh, now we got about uh, got about a minute, ninety seconds, Neil, and, and we're going to talk plenty uh, during the the winter. But uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in NOLA. Um, it feel, looks like you know from from what I'm seeing, it looks like the turf course looks fabulous, and uh, it does. Right, they got a great opening day card, and uh, I think there it seems like passions are and 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 anticipation is high uh, to kick things off uh, on John Tilly. It is. The only bad thing about me not being there is I can't go to Brighton's and get dinner. Well, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that Frank, uh, I saw Frank's uh, sad announcement. He, he, no Thanksgiving takeout this year. No, actually, uh, he's taking the whole day off and going to the races on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> it's so great. I, I'll get him on. I'll get, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we always do a Thanksgiving segment uh, with uh, with Chef uh, Neil Kleinberg. But uh, I think I think I'm going to need uh, Frank to to visit too. As uh, we'll, well, if you call on Thanksgiving, he'll be at the track with his wife Marta. Well, I'll be I'll be downstairs, it, it, you know, serving it up for for we got the grandkids coming and and Spencer and his girlfriend. So I'll be cooking, but uh, I'll, I'll get him on uh, before we take our, our our two or three day Thanksgiving break. Where are you spending? Yeah. Where are you spending it? Uh, I'm going to be right here at Churchill, or I may go to Bowling Green to my girlfriend's mother's house. Very nice. But I'm not cooking because I'm a really good eater, but I'm not a very good cook. No, we 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 only count on you for for you know for the pressing. We not not for the prepping. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the garbage out after it's done. <laughs> Neil, uh, again, uh, uh, may his uh, may his uh, memory. Uh, you know, always be a blessing, and uh, well, obviously always, it is to you. I'll, I will always remember him because he did a whole lot for me, giving me access to those kind of horses and being a very good friend of mine on top of it. Neil, I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Look forward to seeing you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you, Steve. Neil Pesson, everybody, and uh, we'll further uh, include uh, Chris Block tomorrow uh, to pay tribute. Uh, this is a bad loss, Uh to say the least, Bob Lothenbeck. Thoughts to the family. Uh, good luck if you're playing today. We mentioned Churchill. There's uh, there's some good, I don't know, if, did, let me see, did Gus, I don't think Gus, no, I don't think Gus uh, looked at the Churchill action. I, I had it printed, but I did not get a chance because uh, we were worrying about uh, our tech issues and, and getting you a, a show. Uh, we didn't stream today. Hopefully we will tomorrow, but uh, archive and podcast later. Uh, I know people that normally listen to the stream are, are missing the show. Replay tomorrow, 6 to 9, of course. want to thank Brian uh, for jumping in.
on the production end. And, of course, uh, Tom Law and uh, Dick Powell, Sid Fernando, Sirewatch, Pedigree Focus, brought to you by Hillendale, and Neil Pesson. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you in the morning.